Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome back to the next episode here on our First Peter journey, and we're going to continue like literally right where we left off, which was um, talking about we're in First Peter four seven, which says the end of all things is near, and we were talking about in the previous episode essentially uh, the two kind of main ways, at least that I heard and probably you heard uh, growing up or. Any, maybe over since you've been a believer, you probably heard the two main ways. And so briefly, those two main ways are essentially one, that the apostles were, were just wrong when they were talking about sort of the things being the end being near, um, you know, or coming quickly. Like Revelation says, it's coming quickly. It's coming soon. Peter says the end of all things is near. And so uh, one of the ways that people looked at it just to say the apostles were wrong. Again, we talked about this last episode. And I talked about kind of the reasons why I don't think that's a great way to look at it, like that they're just wrong, like under the inspiration of the spirit while they're writing this, somehow they were just wrong. I, I don't like that. Um, also, talking about the early church, we talked about how having those scriptures in there like 100 years later would have been pretty problematic. Like they could have just looked at that and said, see, they're all full of crap. Like that didn't happen at all. So anyway, those are those are kind of the two main ways that, uh, or the, that's one of the main ways uh, I think, so the second main way I think I talked about is, um, oh yeah, so now we're going to talk about the second main way. So that's the main way I've heard it preached and understood. In other words, the end of all things is near is that they're wrong. The second way I've heard it preached and heard the end of all things is near understood uh, outside of, of just saying like, oh, they thought Jesus was going to come back in their day and they're completely wrong and you know all this kind of thing. I just don't think that's a good way to read scripture. Um, but the second one is they would just use the good old adage of which I've heard a billion times for a billion different things is, you know, God's timing is just not our timing. Like how many have heard that? Like, I hate that. Like when <laughs> I'm not now. Okay. This isn't my super deep before the Lord, absolute, holy, sanctified self speaking. When I say, <laughs> when I say, I hate when people say that I, I, I just, I, I want, I, you know, how many of you guys have that said to you and somebody's like, well, you know, you know, his ways are just above our ways. I'm like, you know, that's not helping me right now. Like right now I need somebody to give me some actual truth and not a Christian meme or a bumper sticker. Like right now I need some actual wisdom on what's happening. And you just telling me God's ways is not, is not our ways. It's not helpful to me. Like I'm not like I'm hurting. You, you ever had that happen before? Like you're in a situation where you know, it's hard. I mean, it is hard. It's hurting. You're wondering what God is doing. You're wondering what is happening. And you'd like some real answers. And somebody somebody slaps you with, well, you know, God's timing is just not our timing. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> again, this is just kind of like my carnal self talking here. It's just like, like, you know, I don't, I, I want some real wisdom from the word of God and not just a scripture taken out of context and slapped on my situation. Cause that is not helping me right now. Like I, I want some actual wisdom from people who know God and are living in his broken love. Um, in that situation or going to the word and digging into it and just slapping a meme on me and saying, you know, slapping a bumper sticker on my face about God's timing isn't our timing. Um, or, you know, God's ways are not our ways. It's not helpful to me usually. Um, now maybe that's helpful to some people sometimes to quote those, 
um, those kinds of quotes. And that's great if it is, but usually for me, it isn't like I actually, I've actually heard those things a hundred times and usually they're used to just kind of paint over every situation without any thought to actually what's going on. It's just a way of placating people. Um, and I don't like that. Like, I think we owe people more than that. I think we owe people more than a meme or a Christian catchphrase or a Pentecostal charismatic catchphrase. I think we owe people actual depth and actual truth as teachers in particular of the word of God, as preachers, as gospel ministers. I think we owe people more than memes and Pentecostal catchphrases and amens and hallelujahs. I think we owe them actual depth and digging into the word. So that's why that stuff kind of bothers me. Plus it doesn't speak to the need, you know, it doesn't usually speak to the need of the, of the people. Um, but anyway, that's the second way, again, that I've heard, like, the end of all things is near and, you know, it's coming quickly and stuff like that, is essentially that God's timing isn't our timing. Now, I do get that, obviously, there's truth to that, where Scripture says, oh, a day is is a thousand years, and a thousand years is is a day to the Lord. Like, in other words, like, the way God views time and the way we view time is obviously radically different, and, you know, they cannot be viewed uh, sort of the same way. Like they're, you know, you can't like the way God does look at things and the way God thinks about time is vastly different than the way that we do. And I don't, and, and to kind of like equate the way, uh, you know, we view um, any kind of time is obviously going to be completely different than the way he views it. So, um, you know, oftentimes when God does use words like soon or whatever, like he may not mean soon in our sense. So we do need to take that into account. But I also think we need to be fair to the writers of the New Testament when they use certain words like soon or quickly. You know, every other time they use those words, they literally mean soon or quickly. So for us to kind of read into it that it's just God's timing is long um, or whatever, like then our timing is, I just think we need to be careful before we start redefining words, you know, um, that we need to make sure that, that we can redefine that word in that way, that it's legitimate to do so. Um, and not just do it because we don't understand it, you know, just like slap that on there and go, ah, we don't get it. So God's timing is not our timing. Like, I don't, I, I just, I want to be, I, I don't know if this, what this sounds like to you, if it sounds like arrogant, but I guess I just want to be more, um, I don't know, like, uh, I want to dig deeper. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just give the easy answer. I mean, if the easy answer is the answer, praise God. But if the easy answer isn't the right answer, I don't want to give it just because it's easy. I want to, I want to give the right answer. You know, I want to give the answer that I have, I have groaned over. I have dug through things. I have searched. I have prayed. I have fasted. I have gone before the Lord and agonized over it. And I, and I know some of you are like, that sounds like a lot just to understand one scripture, but I guess it means a lot to me that people understand what the word says. And I don't want to just say stuff just to say stuff. Um, I want to, to the best of my own ability to bring forth the truth of the word in love at all times and in all places. So anyway, um, suffice to say, the only other way I've really ever heard it understood is that is, they were right, but quickly or near or whatever actually means like a trillion years. So it's not, you know, our timing is not his timing. So, you know, days is a thousand years, thousand years to a day. So that's kind of the way we understand this. So I don't know if you ever heard anything different like ever before, but I, those are the only two I've heard. So th it's either they're wrong or our conception of time is wrong. So that's kind of the two. And I at least like that better than the other one. Like I, I like to say, you know, that God's timing is not our timing. At least that seems more biblical. It seems more consistent 
with the word in terms of like the nature of God than to say, oh, they just got it wrong. <laughs> that didn't sit well as well with me. But so the last way that I've ever heard this, the end of all things is near or he's coming quickly or whatever is in regards to the destruction of Jerusalem. So just so you know, like First uh, Peter for sure was written before the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, the destruction of Jerusalem, of course, signified the end of the old covenant system, the end of the old sacrificial system, and the beginning of just the new covenant. So there was a time period between when Jesus inaugurated the new covenant, which is around 30 a, you know, 33 AD or so upon his resurrection, um, or he really inaugurated, I guess you could think of it in 30 AD when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then there was about a 30 year from, um, well, 40 year, about a 40 year from 30 AD or so to 70 AD where the new covenant and the old covenant kind of existed simultaneously. Like they existed in, in kind of tension with one another while the Jews were given time to repent and the Jews were given time to accept the new covenant. And then when they, uh, whether they did or didn't, it's like the time was up in 70 AD, the Romans surrounded Jerusalem and destroyed it and tore it down brick by brick, just as Jesus prophesied that they would. And at that time, um, that was the end in terms of the end of the old covenant, the end of that era and the end of sort of the Jewish sacrificial system. And basically God saying, I'm done with that. We have now a new covenant in the blood of Jesus. And this is the way you need to be entering into intimacy and covenant with me. Um, so anyway, that's another way to look at it. So when he says the end of all things is near, maybe he's actually prophesying what's going to happen in about five years, which wasn't near, which was the destruction of Jerusalem. And the end of all things, meaning he means the end of everything as we've known it um, is going to be is going to happen because the Romans are going to surround Jerusalem and destroy it. So that's the other way to look at it. <clears throat> and so some of you are asking me like or thinking about when you're listening to this, like, which one are you? Are you are you there wrong? Which I think I pretty much don't believe that. Uh, are you God's timing is not our timing, which I'm like, okay, that's possible. Or are you a destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD guy that would explain this whole, the end is near, but it actually didn't happen. Um, I, I, I would, I would say, I don't know. So <laughs> all that to say, I honestly don't know. I, I can, I don't buy into the, they're wrong argument. Um, now God's timing, not being our timing. Yeah. Okay. I could, I could kind of buy into that a little bit more. Um, but there's also a possibility that the destruction of Jerusalem has something to do with these words that he's using. But in any case, uh, let's just pretend that, um, I don't know, let, let's pretend that they actually thought the end of all things was near and they needed to think that way, whether it was the destruction of Jerusalem or whatever. Um, all that means is this, like if the end of all things is actually near and let's just say, that is, isn't even necessarily the return of Christ, but let's pretend that it is. But even if it isn't, let's say the end of all things is near, is just like, you know what? The way we've been living life, like as Americans, the way we've done things is about to change in a radical way. And I'm telling you that could very, very well happen very soon, definitely in our lifetime. So I just want to speak over you right now and to understand that if, in fact, there is some major change that is going to happen in our lifetimes or certainly in the lifetimes of our children, which I almost guarantee, um, we need to be prepared with some certain things. And that is really the point of the passage. So if you look at the passage, it's like, look, giving the eminence of massive, massive change. So let's just look at it that way. 
giving the eminence, and it could be even just like change in your life. Like it doesn't have to be like the return of Christ or America going through some massive change, or if you're from another country, something big happening, just major change in your heart and life, major change in your spirit. Like if that is happening right now, um, or if that is about to happen, that's when we need to be of really listening to his next instruction. So first Peter four, seven after that says the end of all things is near Therefore, so in other words, when anything is near the major change, the end of all things, some kind of major shift, basically he says, this is what you need to do. Be of sound judgment, which is why he talks about dissipation, right? He's like, you do not want to be drinking or in any way allowing yourself to be dissipated, meaning split, like have like not, not, not having all of your faculties so you can have sound judgment. So it's a big, big deal. And again, I even think of it in terms of emotional, like we, you know, it's not a good time when major things are changing for you to be so emotional that you can't, you know, make sound, have sound judgment. So be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So this is a big deal. He's like prayer becomes paramount in times of change when the end is near, when there's catastrophe, when there's whatever is about ready to go on. He's like, you need to stay in a sound mind with sound judgment so you can pray. <laughs> so it's a big deal. And I love this. This Greek term we translate above all is literally like the most important thing in the whole universe right here. Above all. I love this. So in other words, no matter what, everything that's going on, no matter what it is, up or down, um, all that stuff I said about prayer and being sober in spirit, that's all awesome. But he actually says, but the most important thing, verse 8, keep or above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. So he basically is saying like what matters the most is that you keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of of sins. And I love that. He's like, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It's like saying when we love each other to this massive, massive extreme that the gospel demands and calls us to, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's not just covers a multitude of sins in the sense that like, uh, we don't care about them or just covers them up. It's not, it's not that it's more like it, it, when you love people, it calls the gold out in them. In other words, when you love people, it isn't the sin which becomes paramount in their lives. It's it's righteousness in Christ Jesus that becomes paramount in their lives. So I just want you to understand when he says keep fervent above all in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. He's not saying like just loving people like glosses over their sin. He's saying if you keep fervent in your love for one another, then that love will actually like put the emphasis on who they are in Christ and not on who they're not, not on their sin, but on their righteousness and who God has truly called them to be. And it will call that out. I love that. Like that's basically what he's saying. And I think that's so stinking powerful when we are loving one another to the extreme. What it does is it covers that sin and it, and it calls them forward and calls out righteousness. I just think that's freaking awesome. So first Peter four, nine, be hospitable 
to one another without complaint. So he kind of just tells you like how you love one another. So the first thing he says, look, love one another because it covers a multitude of sins. And he kind of tells you how to do that. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Hospitable just doesn't necessarily mean invite everybody into your house. It just means like be kind and be understanding to everyone without complaining about them. So that's one of the ways you love people is to be kind, be understanding, extend a helping hand and without complaining about them. And verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So all he's saying is like, every one of you guys has been given a gift, and another way you can actually love people is just using that gift to serve each other. I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, and I see this all the time in awesome ways in the body of Christ. Like, People who are carpenters will offer their skills up to another brother or sister. You know, people who are mechanics, this is happening many times. I've had people who are mechanics because I am way not a mechanic. Like, I am not a work-with-your-hands guy at all. I'm a work-with-your-heart guy. So um, I'm not a super great work-with-your-hands guy. But I used to have this friend who was a mechanic. And anytime I had any problems, you know, I wouldn't even have to call him half the time. He'd be over there, and he'd be fixing my window or, like, whatever needed to be fixed. Without a thought, he'd just get in there, and he'd do it. And, and I love that. It's like he had this special gift and he would use it to serve me. And I always felt tremendously loved by him, but also by God. I think all of you need to understand that when you really love people like he's talking about now, when you use your gift to love them, they, they do understand that you love them. But really, the bigger picture is they begin to feel loved by God, which is like he's, why he says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's like they begin to understand the grace and the love of God when you love them. It's like, that's so cool. And I've seen that over and over. Like, ask yourself in your life, when somebody was loving you, like pouring into you, listening to you, fixing something for you, whatever it was, when somebody decided to serve you and love you in this way that touched your heart, it's like, yes, your heart's touched by them, and you're very blessed by that. But something else happens where you're like, you know, God loves me. God's looking out for me. Like you feel loved by him and closer to him than you ever have sometimes when people are loving you because it's, it's, it's reaching into that place and speaking the love of God over you, which is why verse 11, he says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. You see what I mean? The whole idea is using your gift. In this case, he just specifically talks about someone who has the gift of speaking who um, is to do so as one speaking the utterances of God. And, and I think of it as like one who's helping someone with their yard, one who's so- helping someone with their kitchen faucet. You know, it's like no matter what it is, it's like you're doing it as God in the sense of as the hands and feet of God. And people actually feel it. It's like they know it. Yes, they'll be blessed by you, but it's like does something so much more than that because they can actually feel the love of God. Like I don't know how many times people have given us money like Mindy and I, um, you know, especially when we were struggling, which has been way too much than I would like to admit, um, <laughs> and, you know, which is I don't uh, anyway, whatever, I won't go there. But so with all the struggles we've had with money and I don't think we've been terrible stewards. It's just when you have eight kids and you don't make a ton, things get tight sometimes. Not to say we've done it perfectly because we definitely haven't. But um, but anyways, when you when you go through that and then somebody just almost out of nowhere gives you money, it's like you are so thankful to them and you are so grateful to them. But even more than that, you feel like God heard you. You feel like God loved you. You feel like God ministered to you. And that's why he says you should do these things as one who is speaking the utterances of God, which is why the next verse he says, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. 
So see, once again, it's like the whole idea is that when you love people through speaking, through serving, through whatever it is that you, you can bring to the table, he's like, when you do that and you love them from that place of loving God, they feel loved by God. They feel close to God, which is why the, that same verse, he says, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that is also an awesome place to stop. Um, next week, we'll talk about the fiery ordeal that's coming among you, um, which is the next verse there. But I just want you guys to understand there's something about love and prayer for others that unlocks their heart to feel loved by God. And I want you to understand that. Like every time you serve somebody, every time you're speaking to somebody, listening to somebody, praying for someone, they feel the love as if from the Lord. And it's, it glorifies God and it ties them to the Lord and it gives them a strength in Christ. And I just think that's so stinking awesome. And I just want to just strengthen you with that, equip you with that, know that that's for you. Um, next podcast, we'll talk about the fiery ordeal coming among you. And we'll talk about what that means and what that means for us um, as we tromp through here in First Peter. And we're almost done. Like, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here in First Peter. And we're going to go um, right on to uh, – actually, I don't know. I'm going to pray about the next book we're going to hit up because um, I'm kind of excited about what we should do next. But I'm going to pray and make sure it's the right thing. So, anyway, um, keep tuned. Next podcast coming out soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.